Welcome to the latest episode of EG Like Sunday Morning. That's right, it may be a four-day weekend, but your tireless EG team is still here to provide you with your podcast fix. And today, I am joined by dashing deputy editor Tim Burke. How have you been enjoying the Jubilee weekend, Tim? I was prepared for this. I knew I knew that I was going to have to think, OK, this is on Sunday. I have had... I've had a fantastic Jubilee weekend, thank you, um, full of very specific and exact uh, moments of joy for me, my family, my loved ones in um, in celebrating this occasion. It was great. I look back at it with great fondness. <laughs> fantastic. Uh, and of course, the nation is uh, celebrating the ascent of Queen Elizabeth II to the throne 70 years ago. And in honour of the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, um, you hit the fabled EG archives this week uh, and uh, dusted off uh, uh, the volume containing the, the very special coronation issue of what so many people still insist on calling the Estates Gazette. The uh, Estates Gazette, I love it. Um, uh, what did you find in the pages of this uh, edition from 1953? A lot. This was, this was really good fun and and nothing that you said was metaphorical i literally was dusting off tomes in the physical archives it was it was um it was fantastic it was a real eye-opener um so yeah this was the may 30th 1953 edition of the estates gazette um which we put out to uh, to commemorate the the coronation um beautiful full page portrait of queen elizabeth a young queen elizabeth to to open it and then um and then a series of op-eds and features inside that were really interesting to look back at so we kicked off that magazine that paper rather in in as it was in those days with um with a series of column pieces from industry leaders they were coronation messages um from the great and the good so uh the president then new president of the ricks george arnold coombe uh, um granville morris who at the time was president of the incorporated society of auctioneers and landed property agents that's a heck of a name isn't it <laughs> <laughs> miles francis president of the chartered auctioneers and estate agents institute um these individuals and others all penned messages to eg readers about what they hoped Queen Elizabeth's reign would would bring to the country and how the real estate industry could contribute to that. And it was all, um, there was a lot of optimism, there was a lot of hope, uh, there were reflections on the difficulty of, of the recent post-war years. Mm. But what was notable was how many, of, how many of the challenges and the issues that the industry was facing are things that we're still talking about today. <laughs> so there were mentions of the rating system, needing um needing reviewing there was talk of um inquests over uh the leasehold system and reforms in that uh it felt it felt like a snapshot of not just what has changed but how little has changed in 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 some areas a real yeah a real a real eye-opener in that respect yeah so 70 years ago um old men were writing great screeds of text about these issues and now <laughs> now today we're 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 regularly discussing these things uh, on eg like sunday morning and presumably in 70 years time uh, there'll be a hologram appearing in people's homes uh, where <laughs> EG, eg journalists still uh, talk about the desperate need to for reform of business rates and uh answer to the housing crisis we could only hope i quite like the idea of being a hologram i think that would be fun <laughs> <laughs> fingers crossed we'll get to see it <laughs> fingers crossed but it was um it was good there was as i say there was um 
there was a lot of hope in there, and I think there were messages that that, that will still resonate today. There was, um, and and Sam mentioned this in her her leader for this week's edition as well. Um, so the the aforementioned Miles Francis said that he uh, he said I call on those who look to our institute for leadership to take this coronation as an occasion for reflecting on the influence that their work can have on the health, prosperity, and happiness of their fellow citizens. And I think that's um, I think that's pretty much an evergreen sentiment, don't you, for real estate? I think something oh, yeah. good to hold in mind um, now, as it was as it was seven decades ago. And that's not the only thing we found hidden. Far at the back of the cupboard, covered in cobwebs, was a box of tape reels. We've dusted them off, digitised them, and now, for the first time in decades, we present, for your listening pleasure, the Estates Gazette Wireless Edition from Coronation Week 1953, as read by that hoary old legend of the real estate airwaves, Piers Chumley Wayner. Good morning. You're listening to the Wireless Edition of the Estates Gazette, a selection taken from the pages of our esteemed organ in this coronation week, May 1953. Vivas Regina. Close upon a century ago, when this journal first saw the light of day, there sat upon the throne of Great Britain a young queen, who, coming almost unexpectedly to that high office, was destined to preside over the councils of the nation for more than sixty years, and to see the Pax Britannica carried wherever the control of the seas could enforce it. The parallel may not be exact, Historical parallels never are, but today the situation is the same, as Queen Elizabeth II solemnly dedicates her life to the service of her people, her loyal subjects will pray with one consent that for many a year to come she may be spared, happy and glorious, long to reign over us. The auguries are indeed good. Let us thank God for this great boon, while on Tuesday next we cry with the boys of Westminster, Vivat Regina! Vivat! Long live the Queen! The great and the good of the industry have joined the Estates Gazette in wishing loyal greetings to the young queen. Mr. Miles Francis, President of the Chartered Auctioneers and Estate Agents Institute. There are some who dare to hope that the new reign is the beginning of a new and happier era. I call on those who look to the Chartered Auctioneers and Estate Agents Institute for leadership to take the coronation as an occasion for reflecting on the influence their work can have on the health, prosperity and happiness of their fellow citizens. Rightly conceived and rightly executed, the labours of this profession can greatly help to make the reign of Her Gracious Majesty Queen Elizabeth II outstanding in the annals of the British race. Mr. G. A. Coombe, President of the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors. The 20,000 members of the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors, at home and overseas, join with me in a most sincere wish that Her Majesty, their patron, may be granted a long, peaceful and prosperous reign over her peoples. Yet we are faced with many problems. We are grappling uncertainty with a rating system that has served for three and a half centuries. Rent restriction cries out for modification. Inquests on the leasehold system cast a cloud over property transactions and the practical application of town and country planning has yet to be developed. But the challenge will be met. Men and women are available not only to devise solutions to our problems, but, perhaps more important, to carry them into effect. Readers of the paper will be treated to a fine analysis of the new valuation for rating bill by W. A. Leach, 
Fellow of the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors. Oh, but wait, here's F.A. Amy's to give us a little lesson on the history of rating. Over to you, F.A. Contrary to widely held belief, the Poor Relief Act 1601 was not the origin of the present rating system in this country, and it was very far from setting up the first legally enforceable rate. At the time of the accession of Elizabeth I in 1558, there was already in existence a somewhat primitive rating system for the purpose of providing relief for the destitute poor. There was the equivalent of a rate book in which the names of all householders and inhabitants were entered and the amounts of their weekly contributions. Thank you, F.A. And there is a lot more of that in this week's paper. You'll be delighted to hear. Priced at only one shilling and available in all good news kiosks. But now, a word from our sponsors. Jones, Lang, Wooten and Son. Chartered surveyors, chartered auctioneers and estate agents. Sale by auction at the London Auction Mart on the 23rd of June, 1953, at 2.30pm, unless previously sold. Freehold and leasehold properties. For part occupation or investment, the valuable corner freehold business premises next to Mansion House Station, 40 and 42 Cannon Street, EC4, at present producing a gross income of £4,075 per annum but capable of substantial improvement in the near future. Total net floor area, about 9,510 square foot. Ground floor and basement let to the Aerated Bread Company Limited until 1957. Vacant possession of about 6,300 square foot, comprising the entire upper part, can be had by the 25th of December next, if required. The centrepiece to this, our Coronation Edition, is a seven-page celebration of the royal residences, both past and present, that served as homes to the two Elizabeths. Compared with the monarchs of the continent, the kings of England have not been great builders, writes our correspondent. In the 18th century, when the magnificent palaces of Madrid, Caserta, Schönbrunn, and St. Petersburg were built by continental rulers, the official residence of the English kings was the comparatively insignificant palace of St. James, which a guidebook of 1761 describes as an irregular brick building without having one single beauty on the outside to recommend it. Buckingham Palace, which succeeded it, also seems a little dull to visitors. A clumsy building. In the news this week, the valuable site of about three acres opposite Waterloo Station, forming part of the Festival of Britain exhibition, 1951, has, following negotiations conducted throughout by Knight, Frank and Rutley, been leased by British European Airways for an air terminal to serve outgoing and incoming passengers as a town centre. The original Rocket restaurant has been enlarged and altered and will continue in operation. And exciting news from Hull, where the redevelopment of a bombed-out triangular site in the centre promises to be the crowning jewel of the entire city. In other news, a museum devoted entirely to Wedgwood pottery has been opened by the National Trust, about five miles from Dorking. The collection consists mainly of fine decorative ware in jasper and basalt. Also in this week's edition, Lewis Keeble takes us to Withenshaw, an example of large-scale municipal enterprise. 
Withenshaw, Manchester's municipally developed satellite town, is a remarkable achievement, the scale and importance of which is insufficiently known outside the Northwest. It must, in fact, be one of the largest areas of comprehensively planned development in the world, carried out by a single agency, and its fairly numerous and sometimes serious deficiencies ought not to obscure its real value both in itself and as a piece of textbook planning carried out on the ground. There seems to be one omission of some importance from the provision made for non-residential sites in the neighbourhood units. So far as one can tell, there is no reservation of land for firelog merchants, rag and bone men, builders' yards, or any of the other businesses which require fairly large and almost inevitably unsightly plots. However, one could hardly expect so large an enterprise of which so large a proportion of the important non-residential sites are underdeveloped, to be neat or comprehensively impressive. Withenshaw as a whole, nevertheless, remains an inspiration as an example of large-scale municipal enterprise and the rational planning of land use. Given a less frenzied and disaster-ridden period in which to grow, its detailed treatment would no doubt have approached more closely to perfection. And now, another word from our sponsors. Hillier Parker, May and Rowden. Auctioneers, surveyors, valuers and estate agents. Modern office premises. Oxford Street. Marble Arch. W1. Approximately 29,000 square feet. Rent, 15 shillings per square foot exclusive. Possession in about three months. Contact offices at 77 Grosvenor Street, London, W1, Mayfair, 7666. And finally, speaking of Marble Arch, the lighter side of property, with topics of the day. London's Folly. An illustration on an earlier page of this issue shows the Marble Arch in its original position, as the entrance to Buckingham Palace. It seems to have been the fate of this arch to be identified with frustration and unfulfilled hope. Adapted by Nash from the Arch of Constantine at Rome, it originally cost £75,000, although it was never finished. W. W. Hutchings, author of London Town, Past and Present, goes so far as to say, The structure has no beauty, either of proportion or of ornamentation, and since it supports nothing, it serves no purpose but that of a frame for the iron gates which occupy its three arches. Hutchings goes on to blame Nash for not realising that white marble was no suitable stone for exposure to the atmosphere of London, points out that the arch no longer even acts as an entrance to the park, and finally calls it a monument of extravagant folly. You have been listening to the Estates Gazette Wireless Edition. I thought that description of Marble Arch was absolutely brilliant. And I couldn't, I don't think anyone could help but link that to, I'm just going to say it, the ridicule that the Marble Arch mound um, was met with, was met with much more recently. Some of those quotes to describe Marble Arch itself, no beauty either of proportion or of ornamentation a monument of extravagant folly i feel like those could have been those could have been uh, those could have been given by somebody describing the mound in far more in far more recent times i thought that was um I'm pretty that sure was alex a lovely alex link used to the present exactly day. exactly words like that didn't he
I uh, think I think I think Alex did. You're right. I think he'd would, be very would, he'd be very happy to know that that site has um that that site has had such scorn poured on it for so long. <laughs> and uh, Tim, uh, to bring things nicely up to date before we we end the podcast, uh, what has actually been going on in the merry world of real estate this week? Um, so elsewhere in the magazine, uh, we have um, we have an interesting dive into some numbers around the London office rents market. So Carter Jonas provided us with some um, some pretty insightful number crunching on what's happened to net effective rents. So that's the price you pay for an office once you factor in different incentives like rent free periods. And what's really telling here is just how differently some of the different submarkets across the capital are performing. So if you're looking for office space in the West End, there is um, there's such a lack of supply that the net effective rents are now only about a percentage point or so below what they were pre-pandemic. If you're going across to the um, if you're going across to the city and some other areas, they're still radically below what they were before before COVID, simply because um, because there's so much more there's so much more space to choose from. So tenants have really got the the upper hand in negotiations there. Um, if you're looking at the West End, it seems like landlords would be in a in a better position there. So some quite interesting shifts in how across different submarkets you're going to see uh, landlords either landlords holding the bargaining power when they're negotiating um, new deals or or tenants in the in the driving seat. Um, I guess question will be whether whether some of those some of those markets that are currently well behind their pre pandemic levels actually managed to, to sort of close that gap with supply starting to dwindle in some of them. You'd expect that that would happen, but it might it might take a little more time than um, than developers and landlords would like, I think. Um, we also took a dive into the student accommodation market. So we had a huge transaction this week in which uh, GIC, the Singaporean Sovereign Wealth Fund and Greystar came out as the successful buyers of um, Student Roost, which was a big UK wide uh, student digs company um, being sold by Brookfield. Um, that's a market that's uh, almost back to where it was before before COVID hit. Um, in and in which uh, investment agents um, are sort of seeing shifts in um, in the kind of deals that uh, that buyers are looking to to take advantage of to to get a a, a larger piece of that market. Um, it tends to be that each year we see sort of one really at least one really big notable portfolio transaction in that space. It feels like Graystar and GIC will be that deal will be that deal this year. I mean, this is three billion pound plus transaction um but it's definitely a market that that feels like it's starting to feels like it's starting to hot up so you'd expect to see some more activity there and uh, this week's eg interview um julia sat down with grenville turner um ex chief executive of countrywide and, uh, and a man with an impressive portfolio career and a very long cv to talk about his latest addition to that which is taking the chair at um at bidx1 the uh the online auction house so plenty to keep people occupied for the rest of the jubilee weekend uh and uh those Just who the have few access... hours that, the few hours that remain on indeed Sunday, course, yes. uh those that have access to the digital page center can also uh, dive into that coronation issue as well can't we tim yes they can indeed that is all that is all uploaded scanned and uploaded um for your reading delight over the weekend 
Uh, and to round off this weekend uh, in suitable fashion, I know it wouldn't be uh, a holiday weekend without you uh, having plenty uh, of uh, music uh, filling your life. Uh, and I believe you you might have some recommended listening for us uh, to, to to finish off this this uh, jubilee weekend Sunday. This is so suitable, this, right? Royal fashion. This is so this is so shoddily done. I haven't got any songs at all. I've just got um, I've just got silly suggestions for artists, some of which nobody will ever no one will ever have heard of. So this 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 feels ridiculous. But you asked, and so now you've just got to deal with this. So okay, I've I've got I've gone for five, and it's going to be anything by the following artists. Anything by the majestic Queen Latifah has to be has to Absolutely. be my first pick. Um, I've stuck mostly with hip hop for this, but anything by Prince, of course. Uh, anything by the collaboration between Jay Z and Kanye West, Watch the Throne. <laughs> and finally, two incredibly niche hip hop picks because I really was running out of steam here, and my knowledge of any music that, that um, doesn't have a driving boom bap beat is is quite lacking uh, but anything by the king and i and uh the mighty royal flush which i know is kind of a card thing instead of actual royalty but it's my playlist i can put it what works. i want on it yeah and so uh some of those uh tracks are going to be spinning in the burke household later on today absolutely they've already been spinning for for, for uh, since early on um, thursday morning <laughs> I should hope so too. Uh, thank you very much, Tim. And also, of course, uh, thank you, uh, Piers Chumney-Wainer. And to those of you at home, uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. You have been listening to EG like Sunday morning. And I'm trying to stop a cat from making a mess on a table. <laughs> <laughs>